welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria. Today's guest is Ryan McElroy, the co-founder of Bird Bird Biscuit. In 2006, Ryan opened Thunderbird Coffee in East Austin, and two years later hired a barista named Brian Batch. Ryan and Brian became fast friends and built the coffee business together. Fast forward eight years, they started working on the idea for Bird Bird Biscuit. They labored for two years perfecting each recipe, and in June of 2018, they opened the doors to an Austin-based eatery serving house-made buttermilk biscuit sandwiches for breakfast and lunch. In this episode, Ryan chats about the lessons learned from founding successful businesses with multiple locations, how Bird Bird maintains quality while scaling their operations, plus his advice for going into business with friends and much more. Let's get into the show. Ryan, it's great to have you on the show. I'd love to get started by having you introduce yourself and sharing a little bit about where you're from and your career background. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Valeria. Well, I'm the co-owner of Bird Bird Biscuit. I'm from Austin originally, actually, although I partially grew up in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I've run uh, local businesses, starting with a place called Thunderbird Coffee since 2006 in Austin. And now I have Thunderbird, Bird Bird, and then also a place called Love Supreme Pizza Bar that's also on Manor Road. So nice. most of my life is on Manor Road these days. Yeah. Well, let's start with Thunderbird since that was your first entrepreneurial venture. What led you to create Thunderbird Coffee? And then how did meeting your future co-founder, Brian Batch, help you grow that business? Absolutely. So I was really young when I started Thunderbird, and I don't think I could have without my family, honestly, like it was a family backed thing. My brother and I, who started it with me, had both worked as baristas in college. And after college, you know, after a couple of years of hunting around for something intelligent to do, I think that's a really hard time in life right after college where you're, you're, you're trying to figure out how to move forward. Uh, we ended up finding this awesome property over on uh, Caney Lane and doing the first Thunderbird in that location. And my brother and his now ex-wife also did another coffee shop on Mater Road that I ended up buying from them and also making a Thunderbird a few years later. In terms of Brian, I mean, so Brian Batch is my, my co-founder in Bird Bird and is just an incredible human being on every level. And he, you know, this is Austin in 2008, nine. So a very, very different Austin from what it is now. I mean, global financial crisis and Anyway, Brian came to, he was an economics major of all things, which if you get to know him, it's like a shocking fact, but he was an economics major, uh, recently graduated from UT, was also a musician, which he still is. And uh, he came to work as a barista in 2008. I had another business partner at that time uh, and who actually hired Brian, which I'm forever grateful for. This guy, Chris, and I ran Thunderbird until 2011, and I bought him out. And then Brian honestly really helped me. He ended up getting promoted to the GM role, and he's just an incredible leader and an incredible product person and helped me build Thunderbird hugely from 2011 to 2015. And then Birdbird was birthed out of our desire to do something together, but realizing and that coffee didn't have the, the characteristics we were looking for mm-hmm. for like long-term growth. 
I just have to ask, because you have Thunderbird Coffee, Bird Bird Biscuit. Where did these names come from? And were you the one who created them? <laughs> you know what's funny is that they sound like they were meant to be part of a group together or something. But like literally, even after we named it Bird Bird, it took me many months to realize that there was any sort of connection, which is embarrassing because it's so obvious. But no, they didn't. So uh, Thunderbird, the, the name Thunderbird came from... Um, the building that we bought actually. So we demoed off the original facade of that building, the one on Connie Lane, which is no longer there. That's actually now a bird, bird biscuit. We flipped it during the pandemic. But uh, when we demoed off the facade of the building, there had been a, a motor works, like a motor shop in there in the seventies that was called Thunderbird Motors. And the sign and actually even the logo were on the side. We changed the color and we updated some things, but it just seemed like a sign to call it Thunderbird Coffee. That's pretty cool. And then, Bird Bird, um, we had a bunch of different names for. At one point, we were going to call it Augustine's because that's like what Austin comes from, which it wasn't, nobody really liked that name except for me. Um, but I kept calling it, I, I mean, I, don't, I think this is actually pretty common. I just was making fun of what we were doing and I started calling it Bird Bird and Bird Bird Biscuit. And it was like a silly name as that I came up with as a joke to kind of tease us. And it turned out to be an awesome name that we could also trademark, which was huge. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's something that is not apparent to people until they're really trying to start to do it, especially in the modern world with the internet. Like, everything is taken. Finding an original trademarkable name that's good is really, really hard. Mm -hmm. So that turned out to be amazing because it was this silly name that was a lot of fun. And also it was a trademark that we were able to get, so... Perfect. It was me teasing the business, basically. So you mentioned that you met Brian originally when he came to work for your first company, Thunderbird Coffee. What was the moment that you guys came together and started brainstorming another type of project that you wanted to create that was more focused on food? I think I was talking to him, I mean, as early as 2013, 2014. And mind you, we didn't open Bird Bird until 2018 and didn't really like know what we were doing until 2017. <laughs> so I kind of, you know, with him um, primarily, like, and then sometimes by myself, but I traveled a lot around the country, just kind of looking at different places that were doing really well in, in hospitality. I remember we, I took Brian to Portland and we went to Chicago. Those were two things. We were thinking about a donut thing at one point, because there's just some donut places in those countries that are in those places that do really well. And then my brother, so who I ended up buying out of Thunderbird, moved to LA and he has a restaurant there. And so I've spent a lot of time there, brought Brian there once. I went to Nashville uh, at one point. And so in New York, you know, so it's kind of like years of thinking about things. And then, and then we got this location and that's actually kind of a funny story. So we were we got the location where the original bird bird is on Manor road and our initial idea and thank god we didn't do it was to do a like juice smoothie and coffee place because it was adjacent you've been there right mm -hmm. yeah 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 so there's that gym that's there yeah right? they're, they're actually our landlord it's kind of hilarious that we have a chicken biscuit place and <laughs> a crossfit sort of style gym that's Dane. i mean dane's it's great dane's is a great person and a great business but anyway like we were going to do this juice and smoothie place um and we were pretty serious about it we we're going to call it batch because that's brian's last name is brian batch and then you know as we were sort of gearing up to do it and like you know, i guess relatively close to even announcing it and planning it um there's this place called batch kolaches that opened just down the street wow <laughs> so, 
You're like, oh God, this is a sign. And then I had some personal stuff happen, um, some family health stuff and the whole, everything kind of got the weight. And then we ended up completely reconcepting what we were up to and it became Bird Bird. But Bird Bird has been the beneficiary of really, really good bounces of luck. And, and that was one of them because mm-hmm. I, I think a juice smoothie coffee place would not have been the same thing. So everything happens for a reason, right? I'm sure at the moment you guys mm-hmm. were kind of freaking out, but it ended up working for the best. Absolutely. What were the first steps that you took to turn Bird Bird Biscuit into a reality once you all were set on, you know, the concept, the location, maybe? How did you get the ball rolling to open your doors for the first time? Yeah, so we had this lease on that current space, which is really small. It's only like 800 square feet. There was a place in LA that we were really liked that they did breakfast sandwiches. That was kind of a super hit out there. And then as we kept looking and kept thinking, like we definitely wanted a biscuit to be a part of it. And then that little seed grew, you know, so it went from being like, we definitely want a biscuit to be featured to, we want the biscuit to be the feature. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I added in the fried chicken along the way because that just sort of made sense. But anyway, so we had this space, our concept really tightens up by like May or so of 2017. And then the best thing we did though, was we announced it. And then we did two or three pop-ups with some friends, Nick Patrizzi, who, by the way, is just incredible. He owns Patrizzi's, which is in the Vortex Theater Butterfly Bar. But um, that was the first one that we hosted. And, you know, we had announced it. We had a social media following a little bit because people kind of liked the idea of biscuits. And it was like, I think that was when I was like, whoa, this is a big deal. Because we hadn't even... I want to say we hadn't started construction yet. This was fall of 2017, you know, so we were finalizing our permits and everything, but we were able to test the product and get it out there to people. And like the reception was incredible to the pop-up, right? It was just mind blowing. And then we did another one uh, at Hops and Grain Brewery a few weeks, a few months later. And just seeing how people were so excited about the biscuit, which but it's gotten so much better than it was then. But even just that sort of proof of concept was really powerful. So then we built it out and we opened in the summer of 2018. That's awesome. It's been a real blessing. Let's dig into a little bit more of what makes Bird Bird so special. I'd love to learn more about the process of perfecting each recipe on the menu, and maybe you can share a few of your favorites. Our best-selling item is the queen beak, which you probably had. It's the one with the uh, spiced honey and the chipotle Mm -hmm. mayo chicken sandwich. So... I definitely pushed the, the the fried chicken aspect, which, to be honest, we had no idea what we were getting into. Like <laughs> Brian and I had never, we'd never had a fryer. Like we'd never really, we worked here as baristas and Brian had been, had waited tables. And I knew, I mean, the thing is, I knew that if Brian could get a process that was like very repetitive under his belt, like he's incredible. Like he'll, he'll do it 10,000 times and make it like, a hair better every time, you know, so that I, I knew that from just watching him with coffee for so long. But the Queen Beak and actually the biscuit itself came from a friend of mine who is just an incredible, incredible chef. And he supplied us with the base recipe for both the original biscuit and the just the Queen Beak in general, that recipe. And then Brian uh, has honed that now for you know, almost five years, we're going to be five years old in July or June, something like that, which is crazy to me. And then, I mean, the bird bird bacon is, it's kind of obvious that a bacon, egg and cheese sandwich would work really well mm-hmm. on that. The only really big tweak there is we, we had a lot of rendered bacon fat that just from 
from roasting the bacon. And so we put that in the sauce too, as well for the queen so beak. Yeah, it's a nice little detail there. Can you talk about why you decided on maintaining a simple and focused menu at Bird Bird? That's one thing about Bird Bird I think that's really important is that we've, and that that was from the beginning. It was like, we're going to do something that is extremely simple and we're going to focus on making it as incredible as we can. And you see that in our menu today. I mean, we have like a rotating sandwich sometimes, but it doesn't change a lot because we just want to execute that one thing so incredibly. If we could have one sandwich, I, I would have one sandwich, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. but instead we have six or whatever it is total. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's a very, very small menu and always will be. Um, but that hyper-focus, the Firebird is actually the only sandwich we've introduced um, at least in the last four years or so. And I, if we add anything more to the menu, fries, that was another one where I was like, because so this is actually interesting about our whole menu and how things come to be on it when I opened the doors I was like well you know the biscuit's kind of heavy like we need to we need to have something that cuts it so we had like a vinegar slaw you know something that would just be sort of refreshing and people like oh you need to have collard greens or whatever and the fries comes from me being like no that's not what people want like people when they come to bird bird it's like a maximalist experience Mm -hmm. you know and so I was like, I think fries might work. And they do. And, and actually, Brian's done an amazing job of sourcing. But it's like fries work great. Honestly, if we could have milkshakes, I would say milkshakes. <laughs> I don't think that's like technically feasible and sounds a little bit insane. But like people come to Bird Bird to sort of party with their mm-hmm. palate in a certain way. I'm curious how your background in the coffee industry influenced your approach to running a restaurant and maybe anything that you kind of took from Thunderbird that helped you while you were launching Birdbird? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it was majorly influential. A couple of dimensions where we're extremely precise, like probably mm-hmm. like uh, overboard precise when it comes to the recipes and how many grams of this is supposed to be here and there. I think in the baking world, that's not that unusual, but I think our level of precision is a little bit you know, in some ways a little bit overboard, but it really helps us a lot with consistency, which is one of our values. And then the other side is hospitality. So like that with Thunderbird was a big deal for me because, you know, I mean, the world's changed a lot, but like in the late 2000s at fancy coffee places, it was sort of like, we're so special and we have this amazing coffee and we don't have to be nice, you know, craft cocktails were the same way. There was a lot of crossover culturally. Whereas like we always did not like that. And so we always really hired for, we, we tried to execute the coffee as well as we could, of course, but we hired for, we call it people, not objects, like for people that really view other people as people. And it's not so transactional, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that we, we absolutely, and that's, that's a big, Bird Bird is a delicious product, but I think the sort of human spirit of it is just as important. And that comes from our background. Yeah, I love that you all prioritize that because I feel like that's so huge for customers because you really remember the way someone treats you even in those like short interactions. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there have been many, but can you tell me about any unexpected challenges that you faced in the restaurant industry or in hospitality and how you overcame them? Yeah, I'm not joking about the fryer thing. We had no idea. (laughs) Like we didn't know how to clean it or anything. And so for the first I would say like month of Bird Bird, I would just go in and boil it out every day, which by the way, you don't do that every day because we didn't know that there was a machine. So we have really big fryers because we, you know, we're going to do a lot of chicken, but what we didn't realize is there was this whole other machine that cost like three, 3,000. I mean, now they're probably 4,500 
that you use to filter the oil every day. <laughs> so, like, so I would get in there and I would like drain it and I would sit there and like, and, I would, and we were going through crazy amounts of oil and like I was trying to boil it out and boil over and I would stay for three hours cleaning up the mess I made. And it was just, it was very embarrassing, but I just had no clue. And, you know, I mean, this was the first six weeks of Bird Bird. Like I am not as physically strong as Brian and his brother who is an angel and came and helped open it for the first year. But the first six weeks, I swear to God, those guys probably averaged 19 hours a day each for six weeks and me like 16, you know? So wow. this was part of my 16. I mean, and I would just crumble physically and I would go home and then they would keep working. That was a big challenge because I had literally no idea what I was doing um, and would spend three hours a day doing this crazy process that now takes, you know, seven minutes or whatever, because mm -hmm. we know what we're doing. <laughs> um, but that was just, that was just like, complete beginners, you know, having no clue. But basically it was a matter of calling people and of course Google and being like, this is insane. And then finally finding like the right rep up at Asmart who was like, you're doing what? No, 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 <laughs> buy this machine. And anyway, that solved the whole problem. Um, but but actually all all of Bird Bird and in particular, yeah, in particular on my end has been uh, sourced by just knowing people for a long time and, mm -hmm. you know, being being good to people and they're good to you. How did the start of the pandemic in 2020 change your business model? The pandemic was was uh, no cakewalk. That was really, that was just listening to people. So you, you know our window model now. I mean, that's probably yeah. all you've experienced if you've mm -hmm. been there recently. In, in the olden days, we had a, uh, we, we had inside seating a little bit. And we, we, you know, people would come in and order in a line and everything. And when the pandemic hit, I was like, man, I guess we have to close. I mean, April of 2020. That was the hardest month, really, uh, the whole pandemic. It, we've now replaced it with a nicer one, but we had it. We had this like the, the developers had just stuck in this window uh, for, that you could open and close. They were just like, oh, well, somebody's going to want to serve coffee and have like two windows. And, you know, they were kind of angling for a coffee shop originally in there. And being in coffee, you, you would not want two points of service and something that of that size. But there was just this window. There's this guy, Marcus, that actually still works for us. And Marcus was like, you know, there's that window there. We could just start serving stuff out of the window. And I was like, that's crazy. And then we thought about it. And then immediately it was like, oh God, that's so obvious. That's what we're going to be doing. Would you say that changing that business model like post-pandemic has benefited your bottom line? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Top and bottom lines. It actually turns out that with online ordering, which we had just started doing, that it was an amazingly good model for Bird Bird. When did you know that you were ready to open a second Bird Bird location? That's a great question too. Yeah, because we're also, I mean, we're not, we have nothing set or anything, but we're starting to contemplate a third. Uh, what's What made that happen? Well, one, I had Thunderbird there. And when the pandemic hit, like it, that location had actually always been quite strong, but I just knew Bird Bird was the stronger business. But then when the pandemic hit, it was real obvious. It was like, nah, we need to we need to do something better in that location. And I actually co-owned that building with my brother. And so it was like, well, let's do a new project in the building that I co-own and put our production facility in there. And then also we we were sure that people liked it a lot and we had a good culture. And so we were confident to do one more. And then also as a pickup, got a much more stable production. So uh, it was a combination of those factors, I think, that made us mm -hmm. feel ready. 
And how do you balance maintaining quality while also scaling the business and then looking ahead? You know, if you potentially open a third location, how do you ensure the quality stays the same? That's the, the biggest question actually right there, <laughs> especially if you add in the hospitality. Well, one, we centralize our biscuit production, which is really important. So they're not being made all over the place. So it's kind of a hub and spoke model in that regard. Secondly, just a lot of attention and training. I mean, I, I don't think there's a magic to it. I, I do think it's important for us to go slowly. Our models are like on a huge level, you know, I mean, not like we want to do what they've done, but I find In-N-Out Burger sort of inspirational because I don't know if you know their story at all. Not really. I'm from Texas, so I am more of a Whataburger gal myself, but <laughs> fair. Yeah, that's very you fair. can enlighten me. Uh, sure. sure. Where, where are you from in Texas originally? I'm from uh, Mission, Texas, way down south on the border. Okay, right on. Mm -hmm. Is it the valley? Yes. Okay. Um, well, so in and out, I mean, just the short, the short story is, you know, they started, I think it's older than McDonald's. They started in like 1949 or something. And the same family has owned it ever since. And I think they've never borrowed any money, you know, and they, I think their first 30 years, they built 18 locations. And I think now they're at 200 or something, but it's like one of the, it's just an incredibly valuable company. That's like, they, they've all always stuck exactly to their principles. Their menu mm -hmm. never changes. They're, they're absolute monsters for simplicity and quality. So like, like on a, on a macro level, like that's a, that's a model for us. And then I think on a micro level, like Taco Deli is a company we've always looked up to. And it, that's the same deal. They have two owners, you know, they're now in Houston and Dallas, I think. And I don't know, maybe they have 15 locations, but they've been maybe less, maybe 12. I, I don't exactly know. It's not like I'm, I'm not friends with them or anything. Um, I don't know, but the that sort of slow growth is easier mm -hmm. to manage at least, you know, you go and you open because a lot of people, and I mean, not, not to brag on them. It's not like they've done a bad job. They've done an amazing thing, but like Torchies went from one trailer to 500 locations or whatever in, you know, whatever it's been since 2007. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like, that is just a completely different ball game. Um, and everybody always thinks about the capital part of that equation, but I think it's, it's hard to, I don't believe we could do the consistency and quality. We, we would lose a lot if we if we tried to go open 20 locations with a private equity firm. Yeah. You know, in the next three years or something like that. Like that's just not the game that we really want to play. So that's I think that the primary technique that we would use is to go slow and focus. Yeah. And then your customers still benefit at the end because they're still eating the same food that they like and they're not compromising quality just because you all decide to grow yeah exactly exactly well and we you know i guess that's part of not having a monopoly right it's mm -hmm. like we have to earn it every single day it's easy yeah. to lose yeah that's a good point what does your team and culture look like today i think we're kind of at an all-time high in that regard i mean you know restaurants are tough i think even in the best restaurants there's lots of turnover in terms of our team i mean again i have to get brian just massive credit because he's such a good leader uh, and he's, he's great at hiring. He's great at nurturing people too. I think that, that that's a big part of what we do is help people make progress in their own lives. And emotional support is a part of that and accountability is a part of that. And it's sort of just sort of helping people grow. And, and that's the best thing, Bergward. I, I was actually telling Brian this the other day. I'm, I'm married and he is too. And we both value our marriages a lot. And it's like a, a dream for me, I mean, this is a little bit woo-woo, so my apologies, <laughs> but like 
my, a dream for me would be that like somebody working at Bird Bird would have the opportunity to learn emotional skills that would make them a much more effective and like healthier spouse for somebody in the future, you know? Like, yeah. I know it sounds a little crazy, but it's like marriage is sort of the highest risk, highest opportunity relationship <laughs> I think we get in life, you know? It yeah. really is. I mean, if you marry the wrong person, it's just like, man. Yeah. And if you marry the right person and you mess it up, then that's also a horrible thing. And you don't mm -hmm. get, there's no take backsies, or, or at least it's hard, right? Every it, it, it's, I'm not going to say that it's impossible to make a mistake and recover from it, but uh, having the emotional skills to be in what I would argue is the most intense relationship that, that you can have um, and that you opt into. Uh, and unfortunately, people often opt out of, like that's, that's a powerful thing. So anyway, that's my woo-woo uh, <laughs> thing, but it's like, I think trying to build the healthiest relationships we can in the business is 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 like the the secret sauce. Well, you've spoke very highly of your your co-founder so far, and it seems like you guys have a great team. I'd love to hear your advice for anyone considering going into business with a friend. Oh yeah, that's a great one. Um, really, really good question because I've had that work. You know, I, I have other stuff going on other than only Bird Verge, uh, and I've had. I haven't had any terrible, terrible experiences, but you know, it's gotten, it's gotten weird here or there. And I've had, you know, things that have worked better than other things. I would say that the, the number one thing is to work together prior. So like when Mater D and the chef of some restaurant go start a restaurant together, that bodes pretty well. They know a lot about each other, right? But whereas if you've never worked with somebody, doing a trial run is important. And then the last thing would be like what Brian and I have a lot of is shared values, but different talents, you know, like we're <laughs> not, I couldn't do what he does at all. But on the other hand, our values are extremely similar. So that, that's an important one. What has been like a particularly memorable moment or accomplishment from your time running Bird Bird that was rewarding for you? It was a quiet moment. And Brian, we talk about this one sometimes. So I told you that first six weeks was just insane. And then, I don't know, maybe three months after we opened, like things had calmed down and we both sort of had our lives back to a certain extent. And I remember we ran into each other at Bird Bird. I mean, this is also that we closed at that time at 2 p.m. And so I was doing something and he was doing something and we ran into each other like at like, you know, 8 p.m. or something and it was dark. And we were up in that little space, the original space. and and just looking around and just being like, man, like, how did we create this? Like, it was, it was just sort of a quiet moment of like, wow, we're both sort of gardeners, not architects. Like we didn't, it's not like we we're like, this is exactly how it's going to be. We'll execute the plan and everything. It's been sort of very organic, you know, the way that it's grown up. And it, it was kind of neat to sort of, I think maybe that's how a parent can feel at some point <laughs> in their lives. Like, how, yeah. like I did stuff and I tried, but somehow I created something larger than myself. And I feel like that's definitely Bird Bird. Like it's not something, I don't think we could just turn around and do it again. You know what I mean? Like it was, it's got, it's got its own life to it. That's really exciting. And that, that was just a quiet moment of really appreciating that. I'm sure that it was and still can be very surreal. So it's awesome that you get to share the entire journey with a friend. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's a nice moment. 
Well, you mentioned you are considering opening a, a third location, but I'm curious if there are any other exciting goals or projects or plans for your businesses that you can share with listeners. Sure. I mean, I don't know how exciting this is, but uh, we've been doing just tons of catering and that's been opening a whole other aspect. So maybe that's exciting for listeners. If you have an office and you want catering, yeah. we do it and we do a good job now. It's a very, it's a fun, I mean, I do a lot of, Brian does even more because he's, he's kind of more the day-to-day captain, but he, uh, and it's a piece of the business we're, we're, we're building, but I've done a number of them and it's fun to show up at an office and, mm-hmm. you know, lay out the bird bird. It's a really good time. And it's a, I mean, it's a pretty exciting alternative to breakfast tacos. I'll tell you that much. Ryan, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for aspiring founders and entrepreneurs? Here's one of my favorite ideas that I got from this guy. And I think it's important and I wish I had known it earlier. So the idea is basically this. like, Let's say you took some incredible superstar, whoever, whoever you can think of, of being the paragon of success. You know, you're Michael Jordan, you're Warren Buffett, whatever somebody who has been like the most successful possible in whatever field that they've done. And the idea is this, if you could go back in time and you had a time machine and you had Michael Jordan from today, right? And you went back in time to when Michael Jordan was born in 1960, whatever. And the Michael Jordan of today could be the day-to-day moment-to-moment mentor for Michael Jordan as he grew up. That Michael Jordan would be hideously disadvantaged. He would never achieve what the Michael Jordan of the, you know, the now Michael Jordan has achieved. And you think he would, it's like, he has the whole blueprint he has everything. But the thing that would be robbed from him is the, uh, is the sort of like, like being at the edge of his competency and not knowing what to do and stumbling forward and like taking it, doing that experiment and this experiment. And it's like getting everything handed to you would actually be incredibly disabling. I love that perspective, Ryan. Thank you so much for sharing that and for joining me on the podcast. Before I let you go, can you please let everyone know where they can keep up with Thunderbird Coffee and Bird Bird Biscuit online and on social media? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it's just Bird Bird Biscuit on Instagram. Thunderbird is Thunderbird Austin on Instagram, same way. Thank you to Ryan for joining me on the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us next week for a new episode of Office Chats.